0: Welcome to On the Job with PORAK, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to On the Job with PORAK. I am Brian Marvel, president of PORAK. With me today is PORAC Vice President Damon Kurtz and special guest Tim Davis. In addition to being our treasurer, Tim is the president of the Sacramento Police Officers Association and a working officer with the Sacramento Police Department. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the uh, Stefan Clark incident and the uh, local response from your agency. More in line with uh, actual investigation, uh, the releasing of it about pretty much, I think, a year to the date almost, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, next weekend will be uh, the one year anniversary of the incident. So obviously, you know, everybody
0: was in a holding pattern during the investigation and uh, we knew it was eventually come out. So what were what were your thoughts and preparations, not so much your department, but in a sense of being a a union leader? You know, how do you how do you get your membership or how do you brace your membership for an announcement, uh, which you don't know the decision
1: of in regards
0: to something like this?
1: most important responsibility of course is to our officers and and the uh, those members of our organization that were involved in this incident so well, we were in contact with them and making sure that they're aware of everything that's going on. But it, it's been a long year and a lot of, you know, the press and some input that we've had has wondered why it takes so long to get to the results of one of these type incident. And I mean, there were so many layers of review on this in, in Sacramento. When we have an officer involved shooting, there's a lot of people that re- respond out to that. The district attorney's office sends investigators. We have an Office of Public Safety Accountability and Oversight organization that's city organization and they send out people to review. Um, of course, we have our internal affairs and our homicide investigators out there. And each of them are piecing together different parts of this and, and what's going on. Uh, what was unique about this one is the, after the protests began, after the original incident, our department reached out to the state attorney general and requested that they do uh, several areas of review. And so they, they sent in investigators to not conduct their own investigation, but to work closely with our investigators to make sure they were following all the best practices. And the district attorney in Sacramento welcomed in attorneys from the AG's office to review their policies and their, their, um, sorry, not their policies, but their process of reviewing this for prosecution. So we had a lot of extra layers and during that time period we had um, it takes a long time to, to review one of these. They have to wait for forensic results to come back. Uh, uh, Mr. Clark's cell phone was critical in this incident and so it took some time to to be able to get into his cell phone and extract the information that needed to be extracted and our department finished their review and uh, the uh, that information was then sent on to the district attorney's office and then the AG completed their portion and and they added some stuff to the district attorney so she didn't actually get her final pieces of information from the AG's office until February and so she did a pretty quick turnaround on on her presentation so behind the scenes over the last year we had this long process that was going and during that everybody was wondering in the community what's taking so long and why is this going on but it did give us a long time to prepare for whatever results came about from that investigation. You know it's interesting in a situation like this and we we in law
0: enforcement know how in-depth these investigations go and they may end up Involving multiple agencies, where the district attorney, the FBI, the, the Department of Justice, and then we know it takes time. And what's particularly frustrating, I think, for most of us is to watch the media and our some of our officials, sometimes elected officials, who try to push the issue out into the public arena to try it in the public arena um, to, to push the mob rule to get the outcome that they want, the desired outcome, and not. In a factual basis, but based on emotion, and it can be a little frustrating and it can take its toll on an agency and on the officers that work for that agency um, because they're all being basically there their integrity is being challenged in a situation like this when it shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, during that whole time, the department and the AG's office, they were generating a lot of new information that we didn't know the night of the shooting. And as those pieces of information become available, in an investigation, it's important to keep those quiet so that they can then act on leads and get more information. But the public was clamoring for more information on this, and when it was all done and finished, the district attorney uh, did an outstanding job for about 90 minutes of laying out all the information that had been obtained during the investigation, uh, what we had all thought the community had been clamoring for. And then some people in the community is like, well, why did you put all that information out there? That's mean. But the whole point of an investigation like this is to get as much information as you can and to understand not only how an event Transpired, but why? And that why question is really important, and how can we prevent events like this from happening in the future? How can we create policies, procedures, training to to prevent those type of things? How can we create um, safety nets so that we can intercede uh, with people before they get to the point where these type of events take place? So uh, we learned a lot, and um, I think it was important that we put all that information out The community has been begging for transparency for quite some time, and I think this is an example of what transparency looks like. You know, all of the information was just laid out um, in in a press conference, and it was all made available to the public.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and the the DA's report, I believe, is online. It's about 61 pages, well worth the read. The AG report is also online, and that's available, and uh, I think you brought up some really good points about, you know, the transparency piece and... And, you know, certain groups want things to be different and you know currently there are two bills on use of force going through the legislature um, our sponsored bill SB 230 which I think addresses all of the points that you just made about uh, making sure that we have the -the state-of-the-art training necessary to mitigate these wraparound services to be able to intercede with people that already had contacts with law enforcement or dealing with mental health issues unlike the counterpart bill AB 392 which clearly would have just criminalized the officers based on all of the facts after the incident versus what those officers were dealing with in front of them at the time they made those decisions. I think that's really telling in a sense that, you know, we came to the table with trying to provide solutions uh, that were reasonable using information from experts in mental health, homelessness, use of force, and trying to provide resources to these individuals versus somebody or a group of people who just want to criminalize people for doing their job.
1: One unique thing that the Sacramento Police Department did that was sort of unprecedented is they actually, in addition to the reviews that the Attorney General's Office did on this particular case, we asked them to look at all of our policies from top to bottom, all of our use of force policies and our procedures, and the department opened up all of that and welcomed in the uh, Attorney General's Office, and they went through all of those, and they issued a a lengthy report which basically said that our department has good policies, um, they're outstanding department, but here's a few tweaks or small changes that you can make to your policies and trainings to have better outcomes and to comply with best practices. And it's very interesting in that That mirrors what SB 230 would do is, um, I think that that's what SB 230 is about, is taking the Attorney General's plan and ideas and implementing that on a state level so that we can have not just the Sacramento Police Department improved by a concept like that but every department can benefit as we bring uh, all the policies and procedures statewide and hopefully can work to avoid tragedies in the future if our goal is to have better outcomes in police use of force and conflict with police officers then it's the policies procedures and training that will bring that about. Um, saying that officers will go to prison for murder for the rest of their life if they make a mistake is not a solution to the problem. All that does is put officers in prison, and we still have these negative outcomes. We must train our officers with the, all the skills that we can to help to avoid these situations in the in the future. And so, I think SB 230 is the solution for that.
0: I totally agree with you on that. Um, obviously, we uh, you know you had the the initial riots after uh, the incident and then uh, following the reports. There was a protests and marches and stuff. I think you're seeing with the media bias, especially with the local paper here, it's almost like they're egging on the people to continue to protest and create issues in Sacramento. How how are you as an association going to handle The upcoming protests because this battle between AB 392 and 230 is just going to get more intense as the months go by.
1: Yeah our local paper has definitely taken a position in this and um, and it's an anti-police position and that's quite concerning and we've had a difficult time you know even before this event for a number of years that uh, getting fair media coverage is is really difficult sometimes. And I think what we found as an association is that we have to get our messages out in ways uh, that bypasses uh, the media because they don't often give us a fair shake. So that means social media pushes, uh, doing live broadcasts that can't be edited. I recently wrote an op-ed uh, that the Bee refused to run this weekend. So it was a little... Uh, uh, disturbing that they could have so many uh, stories um, and editorials against us but didn't want to hear from the rank and file police officers that are out there protecting their community. I do and I
0: also reached out to one of the editorial board members via social media about getting uh, in front of the op-ed board and having a conversation and it was crickets. Hopefully other papers throughout the state, uh, won't be doing that. Um, I know, um, down in San Diego, I'm writing a op-ed in support of SB 230. Jack Schaefer, who is the president of the San Diego Police Officers Association is writing an op-ed in opposition to AB 392. So clearly the paper in San Diego is willing to, uh, extend a handout to uh, both sides get both sides of the conversation there unlike the local paper here in Sacramento which clearly only wants to drive one side and uh, one angle
1: and it's by that type of reporting it drives a wedge between law enforcement and the community that they've sworn to to serve and to protect our officers in Sacramento as they are throughout the state they don't go into law enforcement because you know for the wrong reasons they go into law enforcement because they want to serve their community in my case I grew up in Sacramento, and I I love the city, and I love the people that are here, and my goal is to protect them, to prevent them from being victims of crimes, and to to help them live a safe and productive life. And all the negativity in the press, um, while it might drive ratings and help them sell newspapers, it doesn't serve our community, and it doesn't help us in our mission of keeping our community safe.
0: Your mayor's made some statements that uh, I'm sure your city manager is probably not happy with. But uh, outside of that, I think that uh, he's made some statements where even your own members are probably not happy. I mean, he's completely thrown those two officers under the bus.
1: I think a lot of these uh, electeds, uh, when they encounter these types of incidents, they they don't know what to do uh, and they panic and they start saying things that they think the community wants to hear but We recognized in our community that our community overwhelmingly supports their police officers. And can we do a better job in our community of interacting with some of the the neighborhoods that are in trouble and having struggling? Of course we can. So can most law enforcement agencies in this country. But we do that through working together, finding ways to prevent crime, to get in front of uh, the school children and the community so that they can see that our job there is to serve them, to protect them to provide service and we're not coming into their community as occupiers we're coming into their community to prevent the crime and to to protect them and a lot of times you know the media and the politicians they they get on to these tangents and they listen to you know the the 200 people that are yelling in a city council meeting but you know they ignore the the half a million people that are home supporting their police officers.
0: I I watched that uh, city council meeting uh, online and it was rather interesting when uh, it got a little heated there and people started to rush the stage, Uh, your council members fled. They beat foot out to get away from it, Um, but yet... You probably have some of those supporters there who um, I don't know if they've gone through the force option simulators but they're not even willing to go into step into our shoes to get a better understanding of what it's like to have to make those split-second
1: decisions thought it was a little ironic uh, how that played out at that council meeting and it left Sacramento police officers in that council chamber to calm the crowd down and so that they could return and safely conduct the the business of that meeting and you know our officers they're the ones that are out there on the lines, uh, protecting the, the community during the protest. They're the ones that are protecting the electeds in the city council chamber. And, you know, for the most part in Sacramento our, our electeds have been supportive of our police officers and but sometimes, you know, when we need that support the most, sometimes, you know, we're, we're looking to see where that is.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, you, you brought up a good point. You know, I think a majority of people do support us, support uh, peace officers and and public safety. You know, the big push for us in the next several months is is to get those people to actually call their elected officials, uh, write letters uh, in support of SB 230 and, a, and in opposition to AB 392, because we really need to hear from them. Uh, we really need their support. And, Um, you know, I know in the past we've asked for support, but I think right now at this moment in time, uh, public safety needs your help. Um, and we need you to, uh, to, to help us out and write those letters and and make those phone calls. where do you see? What's your path forward now? What's what, what's what's uh, what's coming down the road?
1: Well, um, the uh, one-year anniversary of the event still hasn't taken place, and so I think we need to get past that to to really see where we're at. Things of calm down luckily we have not really seen uh, a lot of violence in in the protests we did see a number of cars vandalized on the first night of protesting and there were some arrests made to to end that but you know we we know some people are angry in the community and you know we welcome them to express that we just want them to do it in productive ways Um, but also to be open and mindful that you know We as a community need to find a way forward that works for the community, that works for these officers who are put in very difficult situations where they have to make life and death split-second decisions, and we need to balance the interests of everyone. And there's a solution, and I think SB 230 is that solution, but we also need to find ways that we can talk to each other in civil ways and express how we feel and understand each other. And until we can do that, I think that we're going to continue to have problems in the future.
0: Well, thanks, Tim, for coming on in. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for your perspective. I'm sure uh, you'll be back here probably very soon to even have more conversations on this as more information is put out. I want to thank you for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please join us on our social media platforms. Go to porac.org. PORAC.org for more info. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Google, please give us five stars. That helps us get noticed. Don't forget to share our podcast with other PORAC members, your family, and friends. All the best and have a safe day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter.